Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open in front of you today to Genesis chapter 44. It's almost a shame to have to deal with this story in chapter-sized chunks because the tension is building and growing. And here, right at the end of chapter 44, it nearly reaches its climax, but you have to wait for chapter 45 to see the dramatic denouement that all of this has been building towards. This is the culmination of a carefully crafted crisis. This is the moment when we see just how well the Lord has done his work. We pick up the story at verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then he commanded the steward of his house, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack, and put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest with his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph told him. This is Joseph's final test, and one suspects that he has been preparing this test for a very long time indeed. He tells his steward to put a very particular cup, my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest. Now, this is where, unfortunately, a little bit of the poetic power of this story is lost in our English translations. The Hebrew word kasef means silver and money, and sadly, most English translations just alternate between the two. So, for example, in this verse, the word is translated as money twice and as silver once, but it's the same Hebrew word all three times. Now, here's the thing. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver, 20 pieces of kasef, back in chapter 37, verse 28. And over the course of the Joseph narrative, the word kasef is used exactly 20 times. It is like a counter or a metronome in the story, beating and chiming its way towards justice, recompense, and closure. These are the last tinkling, jingling references to silver in the story. The 20th reference comes in verse 8. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house, whichever of your servants is found with it shall die? That is the 20th and climactic reference to Kasef in this story. And that is something that you miss when you read the story in English. Hebrew storytelling has all sorts of wonderful mnemonic devices that work perfectly in an oral culture. Remember, these stories were heard far more often than they were read. One person would read it. Everyone else would hear it. These little techniques helped people remember and track important themes and plot lines in the story. Verse 3 says, As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away with their donkeys. They had gone only a short distance from the city. Now Joseph said to his steward, Up, 
Follow after the men, and when you have overtaken them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is it not from this that my Lord drinks, and by this that he practices divination? You have done evil in doing this. Now, the Bible doesn't say that Joseph actually did practice divination. Deuteronomy 18.10 forbids the practice, though it was widespread in Egypt. But Joseph is playing a role here. And he is trying to maximize the discomfort of the brothers because he is testing them. He wants to see if they will crack. He wants to see if they will abandon Benjamin as they abandon him. That's what this is about. Verse 6 says, When he overtook them, he spoke to them these words. They said to him, Why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, The money that we found in the mouths of our sacks we brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? Whichever of your servants is found with it shall die. And we also will be my Lord's servants. He said, let it be as you say. He who is found with it shall be my servant and the rest of you shall be innocent. Then each man quickly lowered his sack to the ground, and each man opened his sack, and he searched, beginning with the eldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and every man loaded his donkey, and they returned to the city. Notice that the servant gives them the option of turning over Benjamin and going free. They say, whichever of your servants is found with it shall die, and we also will be my Lord's servant. The steward says, let it be as you say, he who is found with it shall be my servant, and the rest of you will be innocent. The steward gives them a chance to walk away. He encourages them almost to throw Benjamin under the bus as they once threw Joseph down the well. But they didn't do it. The text says, they tore their clothes, and every man loaded his donkey, and they returned to the city. These are changed men, and the story is telling us how they became changed men. Look at the words. They tore their clothes. Where have we seen that before? All the way back in Genesis chapter 37, when they used a robe dripped in goat's blood to trick their father Jacob. The text says this, And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. And he identified it and said, It is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments. Do you remember that? God makes them feel what they made their father feel. God sometimes heals us by feeding us our own medicine. God sometimes pays us back in our own coin, not to kill us, not if we are his children, to heal us, to change us, to save us. God is testing them here to see if they are now more like their father Jacob or still like their old, violent, callous 
brutal younger selves. And they pass the test. They're new men. And they prove it by not abandoning their younger brother. Listen to what Derek Kidner says here. He says, when the steward converted their challenge of verse 9 into a chance of freedom at Benjamin's expense, all the conditions were present for another betrayal at a far more compelling price, their liberty, than the 20 pieces of silver they had once shared out. The response, by its unanimity, frankness, and constancy, for the offer was repeated, showed how well the chastening had done its work. Do you see that? God chastens and God tests. He does not take us at our word. It is an easy thing to say that you are saved. It's an easy thing to say that you are a changed person, but God tests. God likes to see as well as hear. We ought to know this, having read this far in Genesis. We saw that all the way back in Genesis chapter 22, the opening verse of which reads, After these things God tested Abraham. God works on us. And then God tests us to see the extent to which we are changed. Some trials are pure chastening. They are rubbing and scouring the sin and arrogance and brutality out of us. And some trials are tests. They are an opportunity for us to display the work of God in us. So it is here. These men are changed. And they are showing that change to Joseph, to God, and to us. We see more of that change in verse 14. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there. Notice that the Bible is putting the spotlight now on Judah. Why, why, why doesn't it say, for example, when Reuben and his brothers came to Joseph? Because Judah has put himself out now as surety for the safe return of Benjamin. And because Judah is the brother, the line through whom the most spectacular promises of God will come to pass. Note that. The more God plans to use you, the more God will work to refine you. Note that very well. The text goes on to say, They fell before him to the ground. Joseph said to them, What deed is this that you have done? Do you not know that a man like me can indeed practice divination? And Judah said, What shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? How can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also in whose hand the cup has been found. But he said, Far be it from me that I should do so. Only the man in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for you, you go in peace to your father. Joseph extends the same escape route to the brothers as had the servant. You can leave the boy here. You can return to your homes, to your wives, and to your little ones. Only one of you need be sacrificed. Twenty years ago, they would have taken that deal in a heartbeat. 
20 years ago, it was Judah's idea to sell their brother for money. But verse 18 says, Then Judah went up to him and said, Oh, my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ears. Let not your anger burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a young brother, the child of his old age. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. We said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And when our father said, Go again, buy us a little food, we said we cannot go down if our youngest brother goes with us, then we will go down. For we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One left me, and I said, Surely he has been torn to pieces, and I have never seen him since. If you take this one also from me, and harm happens to him, you will bring down my gray hairs in evil to Sheol. Now, therefore, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, then as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to Sheol. For your servant became a pledge of safety for the boy to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord, and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. Praise the Lord. God has done a work in these men, and they are not the same. They have been changed and chastened and purified and prepared through these various trials and tribulations. They are completely different people. They have been healed by the touch and attention of God. The Lord changes those he chooses. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those over the website at www.intotheword.ca. You can also check us out on Facebook, and I hope you do. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there, and we post daily encouragements and conversation starters. Hope to see you there. And I hope to see you again tomorrow, right here for another episode of Into the Word. Before.